0: The sermon for this day is based off of the gospel reading from Mark 6. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And uh, taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, When I cracked open the readings for this week, and I usually I print them out, and then I make notes on them, and I bring them up here, and I preach from them as like an outline. And um, I saw them, and I was like, oh man, these readings today just hit it right on the nose. And I, I have to be honest, I was a little afraid to just confront it and jump right into it. Um, God addresses... Right there, the problem, the, I guess, I don't want to say eternal problem, but the frequently reoccurring problem throughout the scriptures, um, especially when, of course, Jesus came, when the prophets lived, all the heroes of the faith that we know and love and have heard about from youth, they all had to deal with bad shepherds. Bad shepherds appointed by God. God gave these shepherds to the people. And we see in the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 23, The he's, it's titled The Righteous Branch, but it begins with woes to bad shepherds. It's, it's terrifying. I mean, um, it's all in here. We see um, high priests. We see, you know, Jeremiah's fellow prophets and they're being lazy. He says, "You you prophets, you scattered my flock. You've or sorry, you shepherds, you've scattered my flock. You've driven them away. You have not attended to them." It's a frightening scene. And it makes you think, "Man, I'm glad I didn't live in Israel at that time, right? Especially if I was the one righteous guy, Jeremiah." And I saw it all, and I was the one that had to tell them because God appointed me to. And then you fast forward to the text today in the gospel reading. You see that Jesus, they, his disciples have just come back from being sent out. They've done all these amazing, wonderful things. They're, they're healing the sick. They're casting out demons. They're preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people are believing in the name of Jesus. And these are just, you know, simple men. They are just normal guys. And God, Jesus, has given them the command and the authority to do these amazing things. But they come back. And it seems like they're like, oh man, you know, Jesus... You know, we're, we're doing all this work, we, 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 we're not even eating, we're just, you know, the, the clock's ticking like this. We got, you know, just post-it notes all over reminding us of small tasks we have to do. We have uh, checklists, and all the checks aren't checked, so I need to, you know, remove the ones I have checked and then start a new list. And I know that I can tackle those in the morning. And, and Jesus is like, guys... Obviously, you are burned out. You're you're overworked. Where is the joy of all of this wonder work that you're doing for me? You are healing the sick. You're casting out demons in my name. I mean, come on. For the first time, it seems like, at least in the Gospel of Mark, it seems like the crowds have the uh, better idea of what's going on. I mean... You know, who knows who is in that crowd? I mean, if the lame and the sick were in that crowd, that means that they beat the apostles to the desolate place to hear it because they wanted to see Jesus and hear his teaching. But when Jesus gets off that boat, what he sees is crowds of people eager, awaiting his teaching. Awaiting him to maybe heal them that day. And he also sees his disciples burnt out, jaded, pessimistic, overworked. And the verse that sticks out to me is that Jesus... gets ashore, and he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what that triggered in me was thinking about how, what do you mean they don't have a shepherd? I mean, God had left behind this priestly class. He had given them, you know, Moses. He'd given them the prophets. He'd given them God's word. I mean, like, what do they not have? What, like, what's going on? Why are they having such trouble? Why are they not being shepherded? And then it's like, oh, yeah. The, the bad guys in all of those gospel readings, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, those were the people that God left behind To shepherd God's people. And they'd blown it. Now, when it says that they were without a shepherd, I mean, technically it's not true, right? I mean, there was a guy standing there. There was a guy, there was always a guy. There was always a guy in the temple to receive your, your I don't know, your, it's not temple tax, but your offering and give it to the Lord. There was always a guy that you could come and ask a question and he'd probably give you 10 more questions back. Not answering your question, not giving you any peace. But the problem is, is when the guy is as bad as the Jeremiah reading says he is. The problem is, is that sometimes to not have a shepherd means that the shepherd is bad. When you look at the Jeremiah reading, you see that sometimes the shepherd says the shepherd has not attended to the flock. You, the, the shepherd may have scattered the flock. The shepherd may have um, driven the flock away. And the problem is, is that sometimes the shepherd doesn't only do that. Sometimes the shepherd hurts his flock. And he hurts them in a way that harms their hearts. And makes them more resilient and calloused to kindness and community and just... Enjoying, being in the presence of God, being his people, and worshiping him. And so, I think where we come in here, guys, is even though sometimes there are bad shepherds, they're still appointed by God, and we're still called as sheep not only to do hard work constantly, and we do the hard work because we love our community, and we uh, we have so many amazing memories, and we've come so far. But we also need to remember to rest and eat, because unfortunately, where this takes place today in the gospel reading, it takes place in a desolate place, a wilderness. I don't know a desert. The the place where John was sent to make the path straight for Jesus to come. The wilderness. The place where we live, the world. And sometimes that's where we live. And sometimes you're just passing through a desolate place. Sometimes that's where you set up camp for a little bit. But sometimes you're in a desolate place because you've been left there by the shepherd whoever that might be. And the good news of this reading, guys, is that Jesus is the Messiah and the Good Shepherd. And what he does is, when he sees the people, sees that they're without a shepherd, what his first impulse to do is to teach them. And this is something very, I don't want to say iconic, but it's what Jesus does. He doesn't only feed with food. He feeds with words. First, he denied in the desert Satan's temptation to turn stones into bread because he feeds only on the words that come out of the mouth of God and encourages us to do the same. But also, I think this is pretty cool In this reading, in Psalm 74, we see brought to completion. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him as food for the creatures or the people in the wilderness. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, came to earth, suffered Breathed our poisoned air in this desolate place where we live, and he dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, he defeats the Leviathan, he defeats Satan, he defeats the world, and he feeds it to you, his people, who are sometimes stuck in a desolate place. Whether that desolate place be this world or the sad state of the country. Or a rough time in your life. Jesus defeats it for you. And then to announce his conquering over it. Cuts it up and serves it to you. As he did with the fish today. And the people eat. They eat his teaching. And they're satisfied. And this is where you begin to get the picture painted in your head. That Jesus is the Good Shepherd from Psalm 23. Because Jesus leads you through the desolate place of the valley of the shadow of death. But you ask yourself, how in the world, because he had his disciples sit down in green grass. How in the world? We're in a desolate place. How is there green grass to eat? Well, that's what happens when you're led by the Messiah through the desolate place. Even in the desolate place, he finds the green grass for his sheep to eat because they are his flock and he loves them. Because Jesus is the Messiah and he is singling that the end has come, the end of all things. For him, the end of the rule of the kingdom of this world, ruled by the devil, appointed by the, his leaders that he appoints, and the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, where the forgiveness of sins, the mutual consolation of Christians, and Christian love that is sacrificial reigns, and when we receive this living bread from heaven that Jesus lifted up and blessed and broke, and we feed on it, it feeds us with what satisfies. Now, Jesus is the good shepherd. He links the end of what is to come in this feast of victory You know, this is the feast of victory of our God, the feast, the marriage feast of the Lamb, which is going to happen in the far future. But we now participate in each Sunday in the altar here. In order to keep up this meeting of the far future that will happen and has happened in Jesus' death and resurrection... He must leave behind certain men to continue on what he did that day when he saw them without a shepherd and he stopped what he was doing and he taught them and he fed them with his word. And part of that is where I step into the role. I have been appointed here. I was ordained two weeks ago and now I am the shepherd here. I am tasked with the responsibility of feeding you with God's word and giving you his grace. Last week, on my first Sunday, uh, when we were doing the corporate absolution, which is when um, you confess, and then I confess with you, and then I say, I, as a called and ordained servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you all of your sins, I teared up. Because... It was the first time I had done that, and I knew I was going to do it, but often, as someone remarked to me earlier this week, you've been saying it all of your life, and it just becomes something that's just there. It becomes a picture hanging on the wall that means a lot, but now it's just part of the wall in your house or whatever, and it's not until a guest comes by and points it out to you and says, well, it's a beautiful painting that you say... Oh yeah, you're right. That is beautiful, and that's why I have it on my wall. And that's why it adorns my home, and that's why my home is a peaceful place where the Lord dwells. And when I was, for the first time, absolving you um, by and in the place of Jesus Christ, giving you his words, and his words forgiving you just as they are his I became emotional, not only because it was the first time, but because it it just came upon me that, that's right, I've stepped into this role, a very hard and masculine role that Jesus has left behind, where Jesus says, no matter what, guys, I forgive you. No matter what you are feeling guilty about, No matter what is troubling your conscience, because you've confessed your sin, there is no power dynamic here. There is no uh, zero-sum game. Jesus Christ's forgiveness and grace is overflowing, and it's for you. And I pray and hope that now that I'm here as your shepherd, as Bach played once, I hope that you may now safely graze on green grass, even though we are in a desolate place of the 21st century, here in America, and in stages of our lives when it seems like everything's changing but nothing is, I'm hoping that what's offered here can be an alternative to that place, to that desolate place. Where you can uh, come here and receive, as opposed to being, things being demanded of you. And just knowing that Jesus came and breathed the same poison air that we did, and died for us and suffered for us, so that we might live as well. But anyways, a primary way that I'm going to be feeding you guys, in the same way Jesus did, is through teaching. Sure, I am going to continue to forgive your sins on Sunday morning. I'm going to give you the sacrament of the altar. I'm going to baptize your kids and your grandkids. Or if you're not baptized, I'd love to baptize you as soon as possible. But anyway, I have to continue on the Psalm 23 tradition that Jesus began. And what that looks like is, I went to the King County Fair yesterday with my wife and saw some family there. And we went to the livestock area and we were watching the livestock being shown. It was really cool. They're getting pigs to go between chairs and you know cows doing incredible things that you didn't think cows could do. And cows are huge, by the way. Um, and, but what was so interesting was is no matter what the animal, no matter what they were doing, there was some cute little 4-H kid that was standing beside it and he had this stick thing and he was hitting them little taps on the right and the left because the darn animal was going all which way. And if as soon as this kid would stop Tapping them on the shoulders and keeping them, guiding them on its way. As soon as they stopped, whether it was I don't know to look at their phone or uh, talk to their mom or whatever, the the pig or the cow or whatever would like just walk into the wall. And like we're talking like proudly walk in the wall, like <laughs> just. And it was because the person leading them allowed them. To do that, it was just like, it was the most bizarre thing. I just, I'm just watching it like this animal would just, just like destroy itself or just like fall. Like sometimes they'd fight other animals, but not if the person was leading. And so, anyways, all of a sudden, my pouring over of Psalm 23 this week exploded in my head because I was like, oh, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I said, oh. Yes, we all know the candy cane staff that the shepherd leads with. But I don't know if we're all familiar with the rod. That is also uh, an important part and it looks like, on that day yesterday, one of the most important parts of being led by a 4-H kid or a shepherd is the guidance of the rod, God's word, keeping you on track, keeping you from fighting, keeping you from running into walls. And that's what Jesus does for us in his word and hopefully through me as a vehicle But to end, as we follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, as he feeds us with his word, we are promised, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. let Let that be our prayer and our hope for the church.